go. Yes, sir. That's my baby. That's uh, my intro done on my cell phone. Uh, the audio quality must be through the roof. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Sober Network. Um, I'm Howie Marlin, uh, your host today, and I am um, thrilled beyond belief on this Sunday, November 14th, to introduce you to a, a, a dear old friend of mine, or an old dear friend, no, a dear old friend of mine, uh, Patricia Cohen. Hi, Trish. How you doing? Hey, Howie. I'm great. How are you? Good morning. Oh, good morning. So far, so good. Um, boy, that, that front that came through last night, did it knock down anything by you? Luckily, not this time. No. Right. I mean, we live uh, We live uh, on Martha's Vineyard, the two of us. And don't blame us. I'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. um, we had a couple of really wacko weather events. Now, the country and the world, let's I'll tell you, I mean, my friends in Germany went through hell when they had their floods up there. Uh, yeah, we've been going through some interesting shit. And we had some uh, last night here on here in Cape Cod. We got tornado warnings. Did your radio go off your, your phone? It, um, it didn't, but it was on the television. And I'm now in Falmouth. I just want to say oh. Falmouth, Massachusetts. So I'm on what we call the mainland from Howie. That's that's right. Moving on up. Oh, she's from the mainland. <laughs> uh, and for those of you who don't know, the island of the vineyard, we have a ferry. It takes 45 minutes to go through. You're in line for half an hour. It's a raw pain in the ass. So moving to Falmouth, which is just on the other side, gives you the, the flexibility and for those of us who have half a brain, are doing things very much like that. Well, good morning, and thank you very much for joining us. And um, Trish, tell folks what I, of course, know everything about. What, no, I don't. I don't know everything about what you do. I go ahead, share. What What are you doing? Thank you so much for inviting me, Howie, or reaching out to me. I really appreciate being here. So I am a private practice therapist, and my latest love is EMDR. And that's why I contacted Howie. So EMDR is eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. So that's what I'm doing. And the reason I reached out is I'm doing it with people in recovery, not necessarily regarding totally to get sober. It's once somebody has sober, realizes there's some trauma. I love working with people who are sober and in recovery. Well, of course, I knew a little bit about that. And one of the best reasons for us reconnecting, and it's just truly a treat, Trish, the fact that post-discharge treatment is now mm. recognized, certainly, to be, um, I mean, if, if you were trying to put a weighted value on what's more important, the intervention, the treatment, or the post-treatment, you got me. Everybody's different. Um, what's more important? Who the fuck cares? What is important is that afterwards, if you stay focused, if you're resilient, and if you're flexible, you can help the person continue their journey of recovery. Now, I don't know Trisha's philosophy, but it is mine that somebody needs to stay engaged in a sober program for no less than 12 months and hopefully two years. One of the biggest issues is people do not consider at all what the hell happens to the brain cells when we get addicted to Oxycontin, when we get addicted to alcohol, when we get addicted. What are the neurological changes to our brain? Well, just because you stop doing it doesn't mean you suddenly become a new person. 
You don't. All those systems, all the habits, all the mechanical structure of your brain is still zooming and a popping the way it did yesterday when you were snorting and shooting. Just because you change your mind doesn't mean you've changed your brain. That, like exercise. That, like a diet. I like it to a diet. You start the diet, good for you. But what does it take for a diet to be successful? Consistency. Now, Trish, you came on, you tripped on to something. Well, I doubt you tripped on it. You tripped on to something which is truly innovative. Now, explain the benefits. For those who don't know, and you gave the acronym description, thank you. Okay, give me your two-minute elevator speech on EMDR. Okay, okay. Can I, can I go back just a second? I am totally on the <laughs> same bandwagon <laughs> 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 with you. That Yes, at least a year. And I call myself a 12-step junkie. Hey, anybody out there, you could actually steal that. That would be a good podcast, 12-step junkies. Um, because I believe how, how much I believe... Um, well, give me credit if anybody grabs it. <laughs> um, how much I believe in 12 steps. So yes, you might sticker, you might come and I believe for two years, but hopefully you'll stay for a lifetime because it is really like a way to be a human being. 12 steps are just, I know there's other ways too. There are totally other ways, but it's such a handy, free community of like-minded people of good human beings to connect with through somebody's recovery. So that's my 12 step, my uh, take there. So to explain EMDR and how I am incorporating it in the addiction process, there's a particular addiction protocol that is used for when somebody's triggers um, and how to desensitize to the triggers. Can you notice it's really hard for me to even say that word? desensitize, but that is what the EMDR eye movements or any kind of bilateral stimulation. We use tapping as well. We mm -hmm. use um, audio every other ear as well. Um, but that is what it's doing. And it, you mentioned neurotransmitters. It's on the neurotransmitter level. This is not, there's no homework after except to maybe journal. There's no cognitive or behavioral homework. It's literally in the session changing the neurotransmitters in the brain to not be as triggered. And then we reprocess using what somebody would prefer to do instead of use. So it might be call your sponsor. It might be take a walk. If somebody's like a anger addiction, it might be to, um, I don't know, look around the room when then that stimulated it, anger and notice uh, what they love about their life. There's various things we can do instead of act on our urges when we're triggered. One of the better parts about understanding EMDR is to make a connection and well, the one thing that I realized when we, it was first discussed with me was this very interesting um, reaction that uh, many folks with seizure disorders have to strobe lights. Mm -hmm. And there's a relationship between what it is that these people who are sensitive to this rapid um, uh, uh, flashing of lights to um, trigger them to do something neurologically. Well, what EMDR is takes a, uh, a portion of that electric connection and then 
utilize what we know about it. Now, describe to me the process. Yeah, yes, because there is a what we call a protocol. So many people know Bessel van der Kolk. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, yes, that, that's so his whole his van der Kolk. Yes. Yes, his take um, on trauma is that we do hold it in our body. So with EMDR, the protocol, we have people bring up the trauma. So now I'm going to talk about trauma instead of a trigger and an urge. Um, And notice what's the negative thought that a person might have about themselves from the trauma. And then notice what they feel about that and notice where they feel it in their body. And then you start this, the um, bilateral stimulation, which are the dots that Howie just mentioned, or tapping. Um, so it is having the brain and the body and the emotional state experience what was going on when the trauma first occurred, and then desensitizing to it. How long does the process take? It could be 10 weeks. It could be two weeks. It could be three or four, but the session is 50 minutes. Twice a week is often happening in the beginning, and then it settles down to once a week. And how would someone feel after treatment? So after the particular hour, there might be some re-stimulation. There might be some emotional arousal. It should calm down within a day. If not, I check in, they check in with me, and we'd have another session. Um, But I also teach skills on how to emotionally regulate when that's happening up, coming up between sessions. And say somebody is going through a very stressful time that was uh, suddenly not uh, anticipated, and they're at the early stages of EMDR, which means that they're, is, is it correct for me to say that they're being more in touch with their feelings or is this a subconscious thing? It's a neurotransmitter thing. So if something stressful was going on in somebody's life and they were healing trauma, is that what you're saying? Might they be particular? Well, we might postpone it until they get through it, but also it could be that that which is going on in life is triggering the trauma. So we would go into the trauma. Um, but it should not kind of travel through their life as they leave the session. If it does, then I would have one or two during more during the week. Because it, it, it literally is a letting go. This is what I've noticed. So why don't I talk a little about my own trauma and doing EMDR. I've dealt with it in talk therapy for years and my own ways of dealing with my stuff. And then I did EMDR and I noticed when in the future I was in the same situation where I would have been triggered, I was not triggered. I just wasn't. I was, I was surprised. Oh my gosh, I usually get triggered right now and I'm not. So it just like, it's not magic. It's scientific, but it feels like magic. Well, it's funny. I'm sitting here like a bobblehead because I've worked with, uh, quite a few, including one right now that's going through EMDR. And the uh, effects can be absolutely startling, but it's not like a marching band or fireworks. Right. It's just just another day and uh, it didn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll explain it another way too. It's another day 
And I realized that the trauma, when, when our brain is stuck in a trauma, we're really just seeing that heated moment. After EMDR, I was like, oh, there was another whole scene going on when that trauma occurred. There were people who were loving around me. There was more of good life around me. Like that happens too. Like we just see a bigger picture and hence of our whole lives. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. Me too. Yes. Okay. It's been my experience that as we grow, as when we're children and shit happens to us, we start and we don't have blinders. We're like owls and we see the whole world and it's beautiful and wonderful. And then as we start to get freaked out by shit, we get these blinders. And then every once in a while, some horrific thing happens. Whoa. And like, you know, and we just in our comfort zone and we only want to see what is directly ahead of us. We can't possibly. And so this shuts our heart down. This shuts our love and passion and understanding and our and our uh, flexibility and our ability to understand others or at least want to understand or be patient yeah. with others and i've seen this on a national scale trish and we yeah. may talk about this in another time but i'm telling you girl that as far as i'm concerned you should go through every toll booth <laughs> in every highway in this country and get an emdr session right yes yes you gotta cool the jets of these people who are so traumatized yeah. We're so affected by, let's just throw it out there. I don't know about you, but there's been this cold going around. It's it kind of went around the world and like killed like millions of people. Oh, yeah, it's a pandemic. Yeah, what's a pandemic? It's an epidemic of international scale. For those of you that remember the size differences and the political strife that we've had, let's, okay, we can talk that. But we're, you know, I prefer not to because political bias here and on this program is, is there's no place for it because. In my view of the world, if you do your very best to understand how you live, where you live, who you live with, and you open your heart to them, you can only live a fulfilled life. If you start Amen. Studying- Amen. We'll save the earth even. Yes, the more we, we, we heal ourselves, we will heal the earth. So I'm well, with you. You got to start with you. I mean, you know, everybody's, you know, they turn to me and go, well, Howie, what would you do if you were this, that, the other thing? I don't think I'd do anything different except maybe have a TV show about something like this to share the love on how everybody, everybody, everybody who has been in recovery or is in recovery, rather, should become a recovery coach, sober coach. They should become a sponsor. Can I add something else too to the EMDR? And so also I took a training in EMDR for groups and literally some people in this training went down to, remember when that building, half of it fell in Florida? Oh yeah. They went down there and, and you can do this work literally in the parking lot and it prevents depression. So this is the kind of thing I'd like to do with people in recovery too, because I really can't do as many one-on-ones as are needed in the world, but it could be because it, it is a protocol for doing it within groups. That's pretty amazing. And it just, it's not about storytelling. It's about the person's brain okay. having the experience while they tap. And in this case, oh. they tap. I'm so glad we reconnected uh, again with the goosebumps. I went, all right, I, I'm a trained hypnotherapist as well. And I've got an orientation to tapping and an orientation to EMDR. No, I am not EMDR trained folks. Mm-hmm. I am delegating out for that. So if you want EMDR, by all means, call me. 
I'll turn you on to Trish. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, we'll just, or, and, and the others that I know that do EMDR with all due respect to you, Trish, for your capability. But the idea of being able to do it in mass right. hit me immediately because this is a neurological thing. You're triggering a neurological effect, mm-hmm. which is done on a very fundamental plane. And just because somebody has the uh, clinical understanding of the process can do this for more than one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Boom. And yeah. you just gave me that example. Yeah, it's great. They did it in Turkey. Yes, yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with growth. Well, for, for those of you not watching this on video, my jaw dropped to the floor when Trish brought up how it can be done for people in, in, in group. Um, so tell me about your practice. How long have you had a private um, I've been in private practice since I left where Howie and I met, which was the Island Counseling Center on the Vineyard, 2016, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Me too. We just said bye-bye. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, what are what's your claim to fame? Clearly, it's EMDR. Is there anything else that you like to uh, recommend folks call you for? Um, um, I know I'm really good at what I do and I always have a hard time zooming in on what it actually is. Literally, if you could see behind my computer, I have a spider web of trying to figure out what it is. So let me, I'll tell you a few things of what I do. So tapping is doing EMDR on yourself. It's called emotional freedom technique. So that's something that I like to teach people. Um, I also have classes, but not training in IFS, which is internal family systems, which is amazing work. Um, uh, So EMDR 12 steps, again, 12 step junkie. And then my own personal work um, that I do with other people called co-counseling. And there's something else under a sticky note that I can't see. So I am all of those together. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's No, that's plenty. It's more than enough. And the the, the fact that I I very, I'm sure, you know, by the way, folks, Trish and I haven't talked about this before. Um, I did get trained in tapping. So I really understand here again, tapping is much like acupuncture, acupressure. It's finding the radials uh, on your body, which are stimulating things to happen. And when you stimulate things to happen on purpose with a goal and you're trained on the process, it's not literally just, you know, keeping time on your wrist or something. So that's just a piece of it. And what I love about it is it owns the negative, you know, so the language while one's tapping is even though, so I'll just, I always say, even though I stepped on somebody's toe and then this, so you tap, even though I stepped on somebody's toe and then you add to it, I deeply and profoundly love, appreciate and accept myself or I'm okay. So I love that it owns, Hey, we fucked up, you know, we messed up, like, let's own it. Let's feel it but let's forgive ourselves. And that stops shame and that stops spiraling down into negativity, which does not help us at all. So that's another reason I love it. And I love being a bobblehead. I'm yeah. sitting here, I'm sitting here going, you go girl. I mean, this is all yes, 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 yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. Yeah. But it's interesting because although I don't do EMDR, one of the major features 
of the way that I address folks is I'm famous for this saying. I'm famous in my own mind for this saying. Uh, yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today's the only reality. Get with you. And, you know, I'll elaborate on that. But what you're doing is saying, forgive yourself. It happened. Yeah. You're alive. It's okay. Now you do deal with the, and there was an accident, and there was damage, yeah. and let's deal with this. Yeah. And also, it is hard to just forgive ourselves, and that's where the tapping comes in. It does touch the points in the body to stop the spiraling down so we can. Because we've all been told by friends, oh, forgive yourself, but we can't let go. And again, that's where EMDR comes in. If we've all been told by friends things, we I really believe we need EMDR to help us reprocess to our own positive cognition we want about something that happened. Okay, yeah. for everyone out there, for anyone who works in this industry, I am sure that you're bobbleheading along with me like no tomorrow. We all have heard these affirmations. You're a good person. It'll be okay. Why have these affirmations always been in our world? Because they work to a degree. Because count to 10, turn the other cheek, hold your breath, you know, all these things, these coping mechanisms, and sometimes a skill, they can be very effective. But what we're talking about now is doing something which purposefully funnels the attention in the direction that is going to be productive. You do the literal affirmation while this connection is being reestablished. So if you think about memories you've had of when there was a backfire or a gunshot or something which caught your attention and then the emotion connected to it, that just came to mind, Trish. I don't think it's very accurate, but there's a cause That's and good. effect. That's good. Yeah. The cause and effect. Yeah. And what you're doing, especially like with tapping, is you're putting together a not just the physical sensation of the tapping, and it's to stimulate those radials, which will then make the connection. So we're purposefully opening a door. And, and, and EMDR does it just w with a clinician. I shouldn't say just. That's really important. Same thing with a clinician. And it can be on trauma, such you said, as a gunshot. Hearing a gunshot could trigger something. Uh, it can also be on wounds. Mm. Just wounds. Just what we might call small T's from childhood or yesterday. It still can work on the small T's or wounds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is somewhere in Mashpee that's now doing this, and I don't know a lot about it, so I can't speak to it directly, but they are literally doing it with machines. And there's a name for it. Oh, yeah. You know that place, TM something? Uh, um, no, no, that, that's, uh, there, is, there, there are places now. Now, what Trish is talking about is the process of EMDR is in the functional movement of the eye and the response to a stimulation. Mm -hmm. Now, people have asked, oh, can I do this? Because they'll often see someone waving their finger left and right. Mm -hmm. I go, well, you can. But when you get there, what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Have you painted the picture for the individual to lay the groundwork so that they're in the constructive right. 
area. Okay. Or are you just going to trip over it and play around a little bit? I can't imagine that much would be long lasting if you were able to actually get anywhere. Yeah, and be nervous. People might get triggered too and not have somebody to help them through it. And that is where I suggest tapping. Tapping could be done on, on your own. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And I agree again. And here with my training, tapping was an extension. Mm-hmm. 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 It was the giving you the individual, the power to affect change. Mm-hmm. You're doing it. So you're setting forward the task of running through this tapping process, and it is a process, and you do tap on certain radials around the eyes, and I think, you know. There's nine points, yes. Trish is laughing as I'm getting somewhat close to, you know. And, And around addiction, it could be one is tapping and saying, even though I want to use, I'm okay. Even though I want to use, I deeply and profoundly love, appreciate, and accept myself. And that can stop the spiral to the urge acting, acting on it. It, That's not the only thing. Like I said, I'm a 12-step junkie. This is another tool, right? 12 steps are all about having tools. It's just another tool, and we need them all. This is not just one. In my room, and thank you for coming to play in my room, I begin, I'm sorry, I didn't even say this, that I begin the conversation by saying there are multiple pathways to, to discovery, <laughs> mm-hmm. to recovery. I call it discovery because the truth is we don't know the truth. I don't know you. I don't know your history or background. You like chocolate. You like vanilla. What the fuck do I know? So offering all sorts of things to individuals, allowing them to take the things that apply to them. So being very flexible is critically important. Yeah. And um, we all take... Uh, we all take advice and uh, respond to action in different ways. There are similar ones, but I'll tell you this. When you commit to something and you start with the affirmations and you're going through the tapping, you're utilizing not just the physical exercise. It's not very, it's not difficult to do, guys, in the tapping with your fingers, but it's the process of it following the flow, following the process and the affirmations which are putting these three things together, the cognitive, the physical, and the subconscious together. And this is why I like it so much. Because and, it, and, and also, like, it's honing in in the present moment, which is... Oh, yeah. It's just honing in on, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel... Yeah. And it lets the superconscious mind make the proper decisions. The overriding superconscious mind... now. There, there's some philosophies, whether they follow this ideation or not, the, in the ego, the superego, folks are familiar with that. But in, uh, in my training with a certain protocol with hypnosis, we talk about the, the different levels of, of ego and the uh, different levels of self, self-awareness. And the superconscious mind is something which is all, you know, all, all controlling. And once you make peace with it, You'll, you can find negotiating struggles and issues much more constructive. I guess that's one way to say. But for those of you that uh, uh, look at the Simpson, Simpson Protocol, and I'll put that in the show notes for hypnosis, which also um, follows different philosophies and tapping and things like that. So that's, uh, this is truly, this is amazing. And I'm going to tell you, Trish, that I certainly will be inviting you on along with somebody else who is also working in a new direction to be able to present therapeutic activity to people 
in groups. We have a country of what? Uh, 300 million? Sounds good. It's up there. I don't know. I suck with numbers. How successful am I going to be dealing with people one-on-one? Not so much. Trish, you sound to be very capable and competent. You certainly were when I know you, when I knew you back then, and I have no reason to believe you haven't gone backwards. How capable are you? Real good with the folks you meet, but how many can you meet? But now you've broached the subject, and let me tell you, for the first discussion, since I've started doing this podcast for this organization, I am talking with the second person who has come up with a concept of addressing people in mass. Dr. Uh, Dr. Harold, um, oh dear, me and my brain, I'll remember that he runs this whole show. I know he's laughing now. I came up with the larger idea of creating a tool a, through the technology of iPhones to be able to uh, move forward. And that's tremendous. But now you're talking about an ancillary tool in our, our toolkit, which is EMDR. And it is really interesting to hear you talk about how you can apply that to the small groups. Do you do this? Do you do training? Do you travel? Do you do anything like that? I'm not doing trainings yet. I'm still a trainer. E. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I can't, I can't let go of doing it with people. I just enjoy doing it with people so much. I'm missing through COVID that I'm not doing it in person, but the computer is working. So, well, that's something. And uh, Dr. Jonas, Dr. Harold Jonas, of course, I remembered a moment after. Uh, we'll give you more kudos mm-hmm. as time goes on. But yeah, the um, let's switch gears for a minute and then we'll wrap it up. The advent of this horrific disease, forcing people to stay inside, utilizing the technology, which prior to this, I've got a couple of books I was reading about children being addicted to the internet, being addicted to screen time. Well, what did we do in response to that? We doubled down and now they must be on the screen for 10 hours a day. And you and I are going to be dealing with the residual effects of this. Folks, I am sure that as I hold my cell phone up, that literally every single person I'm talking right now could probably reach out and grab their phone. And let me get your heartbeat, respiration, and blood pressure up. What if you lose your phone? What was that? What if you what? What if you lose your phone? Heartache, you know, boom, right? Well, my my helpful suggestion to everyone is don't keep anything on a computer. Don't keep anything on your phone. Everything's in the cloud. Why? Because I've lost, and you probably don't know this, 13 times in my life, and I'm not kidding, one, three, 13 times I've come to a computer with a blue screen, a white screen, a broken screen, or otherwise gone. And I've been in so many industries, and time and time again, I had a backpedal to recreate and reorganize and reestablish and recollect all of that. So I'm just asking for those of you who are hearing that maybe one of the best suggestions that you'll ever hear from me ever, save it on the web. This way, when your phone goes away, no worries. And, and I want to put another plus for sobriety. 
is that we will be we will be able to teach our children how to deal with the fact that yes they are going to be addicted to media so we'll be able to teach them how to deal with it that's wow. what i'm saying to myself regarding my parenting right now i keep sober and keep my toolbox so i can teach her the toolbox when she's needs it there there is a time when the best that you can do is help somebody learn how best to negotiate the landscape of the life that they're in right now. Learning to Cope is an organization of loved ones of addicts who are in the process of trying to hold their lives together while their loved one struggles to regain their sobriety. So in this sense, there is an organization which deals with you personally learning to love and live with the challenge your loved one has. You're taking this a step forward. It's not just learning to love and live with them, but to help them personally be okay in their skin. While we as a culture, society, as human beings at this point in time, this is, you know, everyone in the world is attached to their cell phones. There are different communities that are less uh, advanced, but for the most part, I mean, yes, there are whole countries like that, I know, but for the most part, the, the developed countries certainly are. And so we will be uh, gainfully employed for quite a while. Wow. Okay. Well, we've touched on some interesting things. Thank you very much. Is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't spoken about? Thank you so much, Howie. Um, I can't think of anything. No. Well, I, I like that. And that's, um, oh. oh, you know what that is? That's my exit music. So this, this must be uh, getting towards the end of our time. Uh, Patricia Cohen, how can people find you on the interweb? Uh, either Trish Cohane, K-E-O-H-A-N-E, counseling at Gmail, or cultivatingyourvisions at gmail.com. On behalf of the Sober Network, I'm Howie Marlin. Be safe.